Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie. He is the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And we came to the, the last and final uh, part of our series called Spirit-Filled Life. And uh, if you missed any of it, uh, whitefieldschurch.com, you can go and download that. It's had a great impact on our church, a lot of great testimonies about... Uh, this sermon series, just diving in, you know, starting at Pentecost, we've just kind of dived into who the Holy Spirit is, what we have in Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and um, go over there, whitefieldschurch.com, you could download it there, uh, any of your favorite podcasts as well, um, you can uh, certainly listen to it over there, and if you would rate and review, please, certainly helps us out, helps us channel out, helps, you know, just kind of boost us in the ratings, if you would do that, if you share, leave a comment, any of those things, if you really enjoyed it just put in the comments hey i love this you know really bless me same thing on youtube same thing on facebook you know just let us know and uh, if uh, you know share it with somebody you might feel like they they need to hear some of these uh studies that we did in the life uh and it's entitled the spirit-filled life and this week we're uh, we're looking at the gifts the gifts of the spirit uh and from first corinthians chapter 14 i believe from 12 oh yeah 12 through 14 no, just 12. Just 12, but it, it does talk about it in chapter 14. That's too, yeah. That the whole, well, yeah, that whole section is it talking, Paul's talking to the Corinthians. And we will be getting into a new series in 1 Corinthians while we're talking about that. That's going to be coming up in a few weeks. We're going to be diving into the book of 1 Corinthians starting in chapter 1, verse 1. And the, the, uh, the title of our series is going to be called Grace and Truth. And you definitely don't want to miss that. But here we come to the end of our series here, Spirit-Filled Life. And we're looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And you started out, uh, you started out your sermon with a story about uh, the Challenger, um, you know, mission. Of course, that was a tragic mission. It exploded back in 1986. And uh, you know, of course, here in Longmont, as I think you've told me before, this joke that if you randomly throw a dart into Longmont, you're most likely going to hit an engineer. So we have yeah. a whole room full of engineers. But tell us about one particular engineer that well, came to I'll tell you about a couple because we have a lot of people at our church who work in the aerospace industry. And there's several companies in this area that do aerospace. And I, I mean, I'm telling this and I'm thinking about this even like I'm talking about NASA with like a whole bunch of people who often work on NASA contracts. And so after the third service, this guy comes up to me and he says, oh yeah, so I worked on that project. Actually two people at the third <laughs> service told me that they worked on that project, the Challenger project, which is crazy that to have you know two people who worked on that uh, in the room at the same time in Colorado of all places, right? So, um, but uh, one of them told me, yeah, those gaskets that you're talking about, yeah, those O-rings, O-rings yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're not small, they're quite large, and, uh, but, I mean, everything I said in the story was was correct, yeah, yeah. it's just that uh, those rings are quite large, and NASA probably paid a premium for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they probably cost five bucks, but NASA paid 10 grand for them. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's funny, he's like, yeah, I worked on that project, so, yeah. Yeah, what about the second one? Oh, the second one was the guy who worked on the, worked for Texas Instruments on oh, the okay. chips that went into wow. the Challenger, and he was just glad that those didn't fail, you know. So. Yeah, and of course, we you, you referenced the, the O-rings, you know, failing as one of the, the parts, just a very simple part, but in, you know, in, in the fact that everybody, you know, walking in their gifts that God has given them and the gifts of the Spirit is important to the church, whatever that gift is that 
the Lord has given you. And, and, you know, this is a topic that, you know, kind of people are a bit apprehensive about, you know, there's a lot of, you know, immediately people think of speaking in tongues or prophecy, speaking about future events and all these kind of things, they get weird. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you addressed that really well. You know, those people that are apprehensive about this topic and those people that want to hear more about this topic. But there's an overarching theme sometimes within the Christian church that's kind of divided the church, uh, you know, for, for quite a while. And I would say, you know, there are major theologians on both sides of this particular topic. And that's, you know, the idea of sensationism, meaning that the gifts of the Spirit that Paul talks about were only meant for the Old Testament apostles. And so we wanted to talk about that a bit today. Yeah, and, and to be clear, even any divisions on this topic are not, I even think the word division would be uh, the wrong term to use because it's more of a disagreement. Uh, and the reason is because we would want to make sure that people understand and that our church understands that there are primary issues and there are secondary issues. And this falls in the category of secondary issues, right? This is an interpretation of something that has nothing to do with salvation, etc. And but it is important that we interpret the Bible because it affects the way that we do our practice of Christianity. And yet, this is one of those areas where there's room for differing of opinions and, and all of that. Um, and I think that that's, it, it shouldn't, this shouldn't be something that causes division. But it's room for dis disagreement or, or it's room for uh, discussion is maybe a better way to put it. But okay, cessationism is essentially a belief that the gifts have ceased. Now, when we talk about cessationism, we should understand that um, most people who would identify as cessationists do not believe that all the gifts have ceased. For example, as we saw, there are gifts of administration, gifts of help, gifts of generosity, gifts of faith, and gifts of teaching, and many others. But they would say, well, certainly those gifts have not ceased, but what they call the sign gifts have ceased. The sign gifts, they, they would identify as prophecy, speaking in tongues, um, working of miracles, and gifts of healing. So those four, sometimes gifts of healing, works of miracles are looped together. And so they would say there are three. Either way, they, they would say those are them. And, and the opposite of being a cessationist, right, which comes from the word ceasing, they believe that they have ceased, is to be what's called a continuationist, which means that you believe that all the gifts, including the sign gifts, have continued on into perpetuity or on into our present day. And so uh, the interesting part about this is cessationism really came about um, in the Scottish Presbyterian movement in the 1600s and 1700s. So prior to that, almost all Christians were not cessationists. They were continuationists. And even if you look at the medieval Roman Catholic Church and the modern Roman Catholic Church, right, which up until the Reformation in the West, there was only one church, which was the Roman Catholic Church. And so um, the Roman Catholic Church has always been a continuationist denomination. Other continuationists would include charismatics, which we, we could get into what some of that means as well. But um, and then many, many other denominations, right, have there. You could ask them, you know, like Methodists, for example, are continuationists, whereas, like I said, 
the Presbyterian movement in Scotland, particularly, it wasn't necessarily even like the whole of the Reformed movement during the Reformation, but particularly in Scotland came about this idea of cessationism. And it's been picked up by other people in different denominations and whatever. So, yeah, and, and essentially here's their argument, that those gifts were needed during the apostolic period because they didn't yet have the scriptures in full form. So they needed these sign gifts to basically like, on the one hand, um, give clout or verification of their being apostles and mm -hmm. being from God. So credibility, people, credibility. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. a great word. Yeah. And, uh, the other reason is to say, well, they needed prophecy because they didn't have the Bible. So they needed God to speak through the apostles to them. And now that we have the Bible, it has ceased. Um, the other, the only, so you might ask, is this idea based on scripture? Where do they get this from? There's, I would say, first of all, it's not based on scripture. Um, and I can't not, okay, let's put it this way. It doesn't begin with scripture. If we were to look at theological method, how do you come to that conclusion? Do you start with the Bible and end with the Bible? Or do you start with something else and then maybe look to see if the Bible verifies that? Well, they would take the latter. So they would say, and, and the big reason for it is this, they say, we don't see healing taking place in the same way that we read about it in the book of Acts. We don't see speaking of tongues taking place. And if there is, you know, people claiming to have gifts of healings or speaking in tongues, that um, that is not what's being talked about in the New Testament, right? That's an aberration of it. And so they, they would go in, into that and say, say that and say that uh, we don't need the gift of prophecy, for example, now, because we have the Bible. Now, the verse that they would use to back up this idea is found in 1 Corinthians 13, I believe it's verse 10, which says that these things are now here, but when the perfect comes, is the what it says, then these things will cease. It says, and, and then in the last verse of chapter 13, it says that, that, um, when we see Jesus as, and we know him as we are known by him, in, which is referring to heaven, then we will no longer need prophecy. We'll no longer need speaking in tongues. We'll no longer need knowledge, but um, love will remain for eternity. Okay, so um, they would say that that perfect that's being referred to there is the canon of Scripture. And this is foretelling a time in the future when the canon of Scripture will be given to us and we'll have the Bible and we will no longer need the sign gifts. The, the problem with that, and I do respect some theologians who are cessationists, and yet they, um, they would agree that actually that verse is not talking about the Bible. It's talking about when we are in heaven. And that's true. In heaven, why will we need prophecies to know what God says? We can just have God speak directly to us. In heaven, we won't need to communicate in a heavenly prayer language because we will be in heaven, right? And, and we also not need knowledge because you, you won't need knowledge about something, you know, that is not here on earth because you'll see it face to face. The problem, that argument totally kind of breaks down when you consider the fact that we still do have knowledge. No one denies that, right? The question is, uh, when will those things cease, including knowledge? And uh, I would say that they cease when we see Jesus face to face. And so I don't see any, I, I don't think that the right way to approach any theological issue is to say, well, here's my experience. Now, does the Bible 
Now, how can I find some Bible verses that verify that? And a big push during the, the Scottish period in, in the 1600s, when they were um, denying the sign gifts, was that they really viewed um, some Christians as being, um, let's say, superstitious. And, and so they were really trying to get to a more analytical, rational type of faith. And they found these things to kind of cut against the grain of those. And so it was, it was much more in that line. So they're being influenced by their culture, by what's going on around them to deny these things. And it just seems to me that a better way to do theology uh, that, that matches up with our beliefs about the Bible is for us to go to the Bible and let the Bible speak to us on its own terms. And so, and I would say in the Bible, I don't see any, any scriptural basis for saying that these things have ceased. Now, I would agree with some of these people that sometimes not everybody who claims to have a word from the Lord or claims to be speaking in tongues is probably uh, doing it in reality or truly, right? But I don't, also don't think that that should be our criteria for um, saying that something that the Bible talks about is not valid. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And I, and I, I agree, too, that I think you know, once again, I think sometimes the church is its own worst enemy when it comes to these things because of the, 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 the abuses that take place. And then, of course, what happens within the church is that the pendulum swings to the other way where, you know, now everybody's like, well, we don't do that around here because it's too weird. Or, and, you know, that kind of feeds into the apprehension. When, when you talk about the gift of the Spirit, people get, oh, is it going to get weird here? Is he going to suddenly, you know, do, you know. And, and I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard pastors preface their their sermon on the Holy Spirit, like, okay, there's some of you in this room, and, you know, they go, they think about, you know, this and prophecy and all of that stuff, and, but it's in the scriptures, it's in the Bible, and, and it's there for our benefit, and for us to walk in and to empower us, uh, you know, for whatever that the Lord wants to, to give us, and don't, wouldn't you say, too, that the, the scripture gives us a framework to deal with these things by, you know, and that's what chapter 12 through 14 of 1 Corinthians really is all about, is a framework that the church is supposed to operate in. The First Corinthian churches we'll get into in our next series. I mean, they, of course, they were abusing the gifts just as many churches today do. And then Paul, you know, he gives a framework, like test all things and those kind of things. So then the Bible give us that kind of framework, you think? Yeah, and I think that's, that's found in 1 Thessalonians 5, and it's really helpful, right? So on the one hand, don't quench the spirit, right? Don't uh, stop or quench the spirit from what God might want to be doing. Uh, don't despise prophecy, right? So we need to be open to the fact that God can and might do these things, but we don't just blindly accept everything um, without examining it. And we should examine it. And that, that, that's exactly what we should do. We should examine it. And if we don't see that something is being done correctly, then, then we don't accept it. But on the other hand, we test all things and we hold fast to that which is true. Yeah, no, amen. It's a good, good word to finish on. And, and you know, great. If you missed, uh, missed the sermon, get over there. You know, just something to be praying about. You know, maybe you've never even thought about what, what gift, spiritual gift has the Lord given me? And, and you know, how, how can I walk in that. Maybe that's something you'd be praying on. You know, you might be amazed at the doors that the Lord might open for you, things that, a way that you're able to serve the body of Christ that you are not even aware of. And as 
you know, Pastor Nick talked about this week that everybody, everybody is an important part of the body of Christ and God has called us as the church to minister the gospel to the word and we all have a part to play in that. And also to, you know, to look at others and see their gifts and, and to encourage them in those gifts. And that's part of the leadership plan, you know, uh, us as leadership, our responsibility and, and, and those that are in the church as well to encourage one another in the gifts of God. Has given them. So if you missed the sermon, whitefieldschurch.com, get over there, download it, be praying on these things, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless. You.